Broadcasting to Ottawa Senator fans around the world. Around the world. It's the Sins Nation Podcast. All right, it is the Sens Nation Podcast presented by DunrobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you? Here's where we will take you this week into a discussion about the hiring of Pierre Maguire, my old partner in crime from TSN 1200. Did about 19 years worth of weekday interviews with that guy. So uh, I'll give you my thoughts on it and the coach as well. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, well, it's our final show before the NHL expansion draft. So we'll reset our final protected lists. And Chris Weidman unveils more info on how the Sens handled the Uber incident way back when. All still ahead and more coming up on the Sens Nation podcast. Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Things are good, Stephen. And and uh, I just want to say, since we are going to be discussing the protected list of the Ottawa Senators and who we think should be protected, we're going to have to lift the moratorium. We're going to have to discuss that certain <clears throat> topic that we said we were not going to discuss on the show. So therefore, I require my Dunrobin distillery drink now, please. <laughs> Fair enough. Let me just grab that here just a second here. I just got to move the bar around a little bit. Okay, I'm pouring now. There we go. We're off and running. I did violate the rule, I think, last week, much to your chagrin. So I apologize so for that. Chagrin or charging? Yeah, that's old. That's old buzzes. Uh, old buzzes. And we're talking about old TSN 1200 colleagues this week. Uh, NBC's Pierre Maguire also was on TSN 1200 since going back to the late 90s, since the origins of that radio station. And uh, like I said, uh, I would interview that guy every weekday, you know, with the exception of a couple of months in the summer, every day for like 19 years. And so certainly my phone has been blowing up from friends wondering what I thought of it. And, uh, well, as always though, I like to kind of give you first, uh, first dining, I guess on the, on the subject matter. So coach, what did you think of the Sands hiring Pierre Maguire, uh, as their, I don't know what it is. One of those hockey terms, senior director of player personnel in charge of blah, 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 blah. Basically it's assistant GM. I would say, I think it's great. I don't have a problem with it in the world. And I think that people who do have a problem with it. I think if you really drill down on on the naysayers, you will come to find that really their only problem is with Pierre's personality or Pierre's work on television or something he said or did uh, on the radio or on television. I don't think there's a person out there who could have anything negative to say about his ability to evaluate talent and, and find players and make judgments and contribute in that way, which is what he's been hired to do. People need to remember he's not he hasn't been hired to stand between the benches and do the games on TV. So whatever you thought of him in that role is irrelevant to what he's going to do in this role, and I think it's a great hire. I think he adds some big-time, much-needed, what do I call it, depth to the pro scouting department, and that's been a bit of an Achilles for this franchise. He knows every player in the league and where their younger brother went to school on a (laughs) lacrosse scholarship. Um and, and if he needs any deeper intel than that on, say, a single trade target, he's got about 100 people he can call, whether it's the players' teammates, old coaches, scouts, probably knows their parents, that he can call for opinions. And uh, the one thing I would say that I would say gives me pause for thought is that Pierre is extremely confident, he's extremely emotional, and he's extremely ambitious so while I like it as a hockey hire, if I'm Pierre Dorian, I'm not thinking too much of it right now. Pierre Dorian's in the final year of his contract and being a good soldier right now saying, absolutely, he's going to report to me. It's a great hire. But I, I, I know Pierre and I know he wants to be a GM in the NHL. Obviously, NBC is losing the broadcast rights this year. So there's a bit of limbo action. But let's be honest, Pierre would have been picked up probably by TSN television to continue analysis there. The only reason he would jump to the NHL would be for an opportunity to become a GM. And I I think he sees a path to the GM position here in Ottawa. And so it feels a little bit, Greg, to me, like if you're a Red Blacks fan, you'll remember a couple of years ago where Trevor Harris was brought in from the Toronto Argonauts, I think it was, and they signed him with the assurance that he would be the starting quarterback the following year, no matter what happened, 
And in fact, he was, even though Henry Burris won a gray cup that year, like ending about a 40 year drought for the club. Didn't matter. The assurance was made. He slid into the role of starting quarterback. I think the same thing will happen here. I believe this time next year, as Pierre Dorian is now in the final year of his contract, I believe Pierre Maguire will be a year from now the general manager of the Ottawa Senators. Wow. Well, here's a question. Mm -hmm. Is that a good thing or a bad thing in your mind? We'll learn a lot this year. Yeah. What I know about Pierre is he's he's savant-like in his knowledge of players. Absolutely. And that is amazing to be a broadcaster. Um, But it comes down to this. Are you a great evaluator of what a player is and, more importantly, what he's going to be five years from now? Will he be a core component and things like that? So that area, I don't know a ton about what Pierre brings to the table. It might be amazing and it might not be. I don't know. I think right off the bat, the biggest thing he's going to to bring is a a an improvement in the pro scouting side, like you like you said in your your brief statement there. Um, if there's one thing he knows, it's every player in the league. Um, and and if there's one thing that we can agree on that is a weakness here, and no more evident or no made no more evident than the players that were signed here for last season, there is a weakness in the pro scouting side, and historically there has been for years. It's been a it's been a problem here in Ottawa. So now you've got a guy who knows every player in the league and will definitely uh, lend a hand and an eye and an, and an ear and everything else and an opinion on every player that comes across the table, be it signing as a free agent or looking to acquire in a trade. Um, as for the amateur side of things, you've got one of the best, if not the best scouting staffs in the NHL here already. Um, he only adds to that. So, you know, Pierre is going to go out and take a look at uh, at players in the same way that Dorian does now and will be another voice in the room when it comes time at draft time. But his biggest contribution is going to be on the pro scouting side for now. Yeah. And I think you can go through Google and look back at the past and see negative articles about the days in Hartford for Pierre Maguire. Mm-hmm. Uh, most hockey fans would be aware of that. But let's also... Keep in mind that people change a lot. Like that was Pierre Maguire was one of the youngest coaches in the NHL. He's in his early 30s. He takes over as head coach of the Hartford Whalers. It didn't go very well. And there was uh, there was one particular newspaper writer in Hartford who oh, wrote yeah. a number of really negative articles about him. And so people, you know, maybe people are aware of that. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But judging someone and Pierre's the same vintage we are, right? You're, we're, yep. we're both in our 50s, as is he. I think we can agree you and I are both very different people than we were in our early 30s. So uh, as he moves back into the NHL, and I think Ottawa was probably his last stop as an assistant coach before he kind of went full time into the broadcasting. That is a long time between NHL uh, employment. So I'm prepared to give him full on benefit of the doubt that there's been a ton of growth there. Yeah, I would agree. And I I was confused by the, the, the choice of title. Um, Like I, I, I understand you have to give him a title. Okay, fine. As Simmer has said all along since day one of this, who cares what the title is? It's more about the job description. Agreed. But if you're going to give a guy a title that is a title is higher than the general manager title, but then he reports to the general manager, that part confused me. Like he's, he's a vice president. There is no president of, of player development. Um, the player development part department is only two people, right? It's, it's, uh, it's Dono and it's Jesse Winchester. There's nobody else in, in player development. Really, he is a, a um, basically you could have called him a executive in charge of uh, providing eyes and ears, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's that's what he's doing here. Eyes, ears, and voice uh, to, to uh, as a, it's, it's almost a full-time in-house consultant is, is what it is in, in all matters relating to, to player uh, recruitment, procure, procurement, and development. One of the things that's kind of odd is that it all seems to be Eugene Melnick's game plan. Yeah. Because there's a guy that's now answering to Pierre Dorian, and it seemed like Dorian was brought into the mix kind of late. There were a lot of dates thrown around, and not all of them jived with each other in listening to Pierre Maguire, Pierre Dorian, Eugene Melnick's comments. Like, I'll go with Pierre Maguire's date lines. He said that the Friday before Father's Day is when Eugene Melnick reached out for the first time to him. There were it was constant communication happening right up until about five, six days before his actual announcement of his hiring. And that's when Pierre Dorian was brought right. into the mix. And then Pierre Dorian, in his news conference, where he kind of had the brave face going, 
Um, he said it was back in May that he was talking for the first time or hearing discussion about Pierre Maguire taking this role. So there's a little bit of confusion in there. Um, I just look at the whole thing and I say to myself, it really, it really looks like uh, the the GM in waiting, and um, I don't know, a little Dave Cameron deja vu. That's the thing, and and it's all set. Melnick does that with coaching, for example. You you look right back to Dave Cameron, right, his junior hockey coach. He handpicked Cameron to come in to be the assistant coach to Paul McLean, the successor right away. Then you think about Mark Crawford. He's brought in and uh, wasn't Guy Boucher's guy. He was brought in. He became the uh, successor. And we just talked about in a recent episode, Jack Capuano denied an opportunity to talk to the Buffalo Sabres. Why? Well, because in all likelihood, he's the next head coach of the Ottawa Senators should things go sideways, if and when things go sideways with DJ Smith. Yeah, so that that's the thing, though. The, it, it, is there anything wrong with having qualified, quality people in for lack of a better word, subservient roles at this time. Is, is there anything wrong with that? Like if they never take over, if they, if, if, if you never replace a, a, a DJ Smith with, with uh, Jack Capuano, are you going to look back and say what a terrible disservice we did to this guy having him here as assistant coach or, you know, it, it hurt our team having him here? No. Nope. Same thing with, same thing with, uh, with PM under PD. Uh, having him here is a good thing. If eventually he takes over, okay, fine. But was it predestined? That's the only that's the only iffy part, right? Is is he doing it now as a way of having him here because he knows he's going to make a change, or is he doing it now because he's the right guy for the job and he's qualified and and going to be really good for us and help us? And oh yeah, if anything goes wrong, he can maybe take over someday, right? That's yeah, the uh, only thing, and you won't know unless you can get inside Eugene's head, or he's going to you know give him some truth serum. Right, he's the only one who knows for sure. I just feel like. Yeah. When you ask that question, I feel like that is absolutely what's going to happen. I, I just don't think, knowing as ambitious as Pierre is, um, I don't think he's moving to Ottawa, stepping away from the broadcasting to be the vice. I'm going to go uh, the vice president, director of development, and Scooby Doo. Um, I don't think he, whatever that job title is. I don't think he's stepping away from a lucrative broadcast career, moving he and his wife up to Ottawa, unless. He feels like, or even has been given assurances that good things are coming down the pipe very, very soon. Well, that's the thing, though. Has he been assured? Has he been guaranteed? Has he been told it may be happening? Or is he just assuming it himself? We'll never know. True. True. But I do feel like, if I'm okay. to guess, if you make me put money on something, I believe there's a nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, that, that probably yeah. that probably occurred in discussions and if it's that way then i hate that concept of you know for lack of a better phrase dead man walking right i hate right. that concept and i feel badly because pierre dorian is a great guy but i really feel like uh this may be the fate well i think a good indicator here is when and if pierre pd signs a contract extension if they get off to a good start uh, there's no reason to keep him waiting around. Like if, if the senators get off to a good start after two months, he should be signed in November and would be in any other situation in any other city. So that'll be a good indicator. If nothing happens, if they get off to a good start and nothing happens as far as a, uh, an extension is concerned. Well, seeing what's going on with Brady Kachuk, I don't know that they're going to feel yeah. too pressed in getting some contract done in the final year of Pierre Dorian's contract. TikTok on Kachuk, my God. <laughs> okay, uh, but but as we've said, the this uh, the organization has done a really good job in the last year or more in shutting off any uh, lines of communication to to various assorted rumor mills. You don't hear a damn thing going mm -hmm. all the way back to the Shabbat extension that essentially came out of nowhere. These things are kept in house. The boys are quiet. For all we know. Kachuk and, and Dorian and, and Melnick and uh, Oster have been speaking for two weeks now, and, and they're going to come out with an announcement uh, draft day. Who knows? Right? It, it, we, you just don't know what's going on. I forgot what you said. What, what do you think Kachuk's term is going to be? I think it'll be a bridge deal. Right. Uh, I, I'm, and you, you think it will be as well, but not, you're not happy with that. 
obviously I'd like to see the guy here at least until he's 28, 29. Um, but it feels to me like if I'm Keith Kachuk, if I'm this kid's dad, I'm probably saying, you know what? Just get to just get to UFA, sign a four-year deal. Right. Or maybe a three-year deal and then that one final bridge deal. Um, get to UFA, keep your options open. Let's see how this thing goes. Why commit to eight years when UFA is only four years away? And by the way, I expect Brady Kachuk to be a hell of a lot better hockey player than he is right now as he looks to sign something now. So Exactly. Yeah, I think that's how it'll go. Yeah, and and, and, and when it does happen, let's remember, it's not necessarily the club's fault. It should not reflect badly on on Eugene or the franchise or on Pierre or either Pierre when and if it happens, because you can bet that it's coming from the Kachuk side, and it may be that that's all they want anyway, and that's all they're going to get, all they will sign for. True, but when you look at the overall climate that was created by this organization, yeah. you know, his landlord in Mark Stone looked like Keith Kachuk had a hockey man crush on that kid, was was pleading with the organization to sign that guy, and then they didn't. The Mark Stone thing, you could say, yeah, it was Mark Stone's decision. If, if it's a deal that you don't like from Kachuk, you could say, yeah, that was Kachuk's decision. But at the same time, things you did as a team may have influenced their decision. The expansion draft, it's coming up. This is our final show before the expansion draft. The Seattle Kraken finally gets some warm bodies. Have they, they, they've, they've signed a couple of no-namers, have they not? <laughs> yeah, well, at least one anyway. Yeah. I remember reading about at least one. That was a while ago. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to have some real names, some real... Uh, I don't know about household names, but certainly some names that hockey fans would have heard of. And uh, so it's time for us to reset our final senator protected list. And I'm not going to lie, right out of the gate, I'm disappointed because we have the exact same list now. We've all we've arrived at the same list, and it's exactly the same as TSN's Craig Button as well. Son of a, you like a little controversy, you like a little head button on this stuff, but. There's not really a lot there, unfortunately. We're all kind of of the same mind, as my son Michael gives us a little bit of background cacophony. Um, so let's go through it. Okay. And so I've got Cap Friendly in front of me. It's a good resource. Okay. Just Google Cap Friendly Expansion Draft, and it gives you a little checklist. Remember when you were a little kid and you're collecting hockey cards and you get the checklist? Right? Yeah. Remember that? They're not worth anything if you got pen on them now and you're trying to sell them, though. Exactly, but they were like gold when you got one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was amazing. Oh my god, I got a checklist, <laughs> and you get to anyway. So I filled them all in, and this is what this reminds me of. They've they've actually laid it out in that same sort of hockey card checklist manner, and so the protected Ottawa Senator forwards. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to steal your thunder, but one of us Go has right created. All right, because we have exactly the same lineup. We've both chosen, <laughs> and, and the changes that have occurred because I've changed a little bit because initially I was with the eight skaters, one goalie scenario. And I decided to get away from that because I really want to keep Austin Watson around, but I didn't really care if Nikita Zaitsev got claimed. So I've, I've protected Nikita Zaitsev so that I could keep another forward in Austin Watson. I went with the seven, three, one thing. So that's the change I've made. So it's Colin White, Connor Brown, Austin Watson, Nick Paul, Brady Kachuk, Logan Brown, Drake Batherson. There's your seven forwards. And then the three defense, Thomas Shabbat, Nikita Zaitsev, Victor Mete, and the goalie. And there was a lot of back and forth. I think that's where the biggest area of debate is. We've all settled on Philip Gustafson. So I don't have any questions for you because you got the exact same list. <laughs> well, no, well, let's 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 look at um, decisions here, okay? We we both chose to leave Dadnov available. Your reasoning for that? I don't like the player very much at $5 million. That's, uh, there that's, you go. So I think that he might have a bounce back year, but I don't think there's any danger uh, in Seattle claiming him for starters. And if they do, that's okay with me. I'm in the same boat as you. He's basically been, by the end of the year, he was number three on the right side. Um, and at $5 million a year, uh, even if he does bounce back, okay, fine. Uh, if he's still here and he bounces back, that's great. Looks good for the team. And if he gets claimed, okay, fine. Five million off the books. That works out too. 
Yeah, and that $5 million that we gave him this past season, we. How can I use the yeah. word we? <laughs> anyway, the $5 million that Melnick and the Senators gave him this past season, to me, that's well worth it for what he did in that 5-1 comeback against the hated Leafs. Just for that goal alone. Just, no, 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 not two. You got two. You got the tying goal yeah, late yeah. with yeah, the empty net, true. and then he scores on the breakaway in OT. That, I mean, that in the just beat the Leafs, uh, frame of mind uh dadnov earned his salt there so With that, yeah exactly so if he's got two more of those over the next two seasons he can stay okay uh we both chose to protect colin white at uh 4.75 correct Thoughts? i was very i was divided on that one because i don't like his contract um i i, I do think there's as with logan brown which we'll talk about who we'll talk about in a second i see a guy that still may have untapped potential. I'm very frustrated with the player right now, but I feel like if you leave him exposed, um, that might be a guy that could come back to haunt me. It's like, oh, in 20, 20, you know, he's 26. Yeah. He starts playing great for Seattle and has a new lease on life because he'd probably get every opportunity in the world if he ended up in Seattle. I, I'm just, it's part of me that just doesn't want to go through that. So I want to give Colin White another year and see what he's up to. And right now I'm extremely frustrated and, that's why I just decided that uh, that's that's the reason I wanted to keep. He's him. How 20, about you? He's twenty four, by the way. You know yeah, who's you know his biggest fan is. I don't. Pierre Maguire. Right. Yes, Pierre Maguire loves the guy. Has he been talking about him lately? In those not no, well, not lately. No, no. and he, and you won't hear another word out of him now, right? Now that he, but it was interesting in, in one of Pierre Dorian's. Uh, press availabilities he was talking about pierre coming in with a fresh set of eyes and and unbiased and etc no no he's totally biased he would just bring a different bias than than you guys probably have right he, he wouldn't feel the same way about some of the players that that were drafted by the senators that are here he won't have the same sort of ownership over those players but he still has his own biases and he he loves colin white and, and i i believe that 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 may be one influence that pierre pierre uh, mcguire will have here is that Colin White will be protected, and I think Pierre will convince them, just as you said, that maybe there's still there's still time there, and he may still turn out to, uh, turn out end up being something. That's interesting because most of the time when we talk about sports talk radio, you will see hosts who will just die before they admit they're wrong about something. They talk somebody up, and he's going <laughs> to be great. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. They will give him every opportunity in the world, but that's usually strictly within the the realm of sports talk radio, which this just in does not matter at all. <laughs> However, for the reasons you just talked about, you talk someone up, there is that bias of like wanting your predictions to come true. So if Colin White was a guy that they were considering exposing, I think Pierre Maguire will have a, you know, a big influence on making them change right. their mind. But also the, the phrase you just used there, wanting your predictions to come true. Um, Pierre Dorian, in a sense, really needs Colin White to come through to justify the contract that he gave him. Right. So, Which I, is I kind of why the same kind of theory I have, not to flip around too much. No, but, but Dad, Nov, and Murray, right? Well, no, I was going to, yeah, 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 sorry, Murray, yes. I, I was going to talk about goaltending and Matt Murray. I feel like even though we took Gustafson, that's who I think they should. I'm not sure it's who they will protect. I think right. that. With Matt Murray, Pierre Dorian might be liable to protect him. And I've said this in previous episodes because he wants to make sure that the owner, uh, you know, doesn't sort of scratch his head and say, wait, you're leaving Matt Murray unprotected? It was just a year ago you told me he was the greatest thing since sliced <laughs> bread and now he's exposed? So that doesn't look good on him, I think, to. Okay, that, but then him. that same sort of logic can apply to Dadnoff. Wait a minute. You just convinced me a year ago to cough over $5 million a year for this guy and now you're leaving him exposed? Hundred percent. You know, so I, I just think that I think Colin White fits into that argument. I think Matt Murray will be okay to leave exposed, and I think they will eventually come to that same conclusion. But I think that when it comes to Colin White, uh, twenty-four years of age, uh, the new guy on staff loves him. The general manager is the one who gave him a contract that may be viewed as questionable right now, so they will protect him in hopes that he becomes something. Yeah, I think Dadnov and Murray both could end up. Yeah. exposed honestly just right. for the reasons we just talked about and then that might be at the expense of august that would be at the expense of augustifson and it might be at the expense of i don't know an austin watson or something yeah uh we both left chris tierney 
unprotected. I think that's fairly obvious. And if anybody out there is questioning that, then I question what sort of hallucinogens they're taking. Yeah, I mean, he's a nice, uh, he's a nice fourth line center, third line center. But I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, this year, he looked like he lost a step almost, and not, not a guy that had a step to lose. But I don't think he's, I don't think he's hurting you on the fourth line as a center. Um, but at three point five, very expendable. Yeah, and, and dropped when Shane Pinto got here. Uh, minutes dropped. A second power play ice time was pretty much non-existent all season. He was even a health bomb for the last game of the year. Uh, the writing's on the wall. Chris Tierney will definitely be exposed. And Pinto's here next year, full-time. You think so? I'm asking. Oh. Um, I should put a little more inflection in my voice to indicate a question mark. You got to come up at the end there. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I, I, that's a wait and see for me. Uh, I, 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 Bernard Docker, definitely you don't have a problem with him playing the whole year in Belleville. But Pinto, I think I'd, uh, I, that's a wait and see what kind of additions they they make in the offseason here um, and then what kind of camp the, the kid has and, and the rest of the team has before making that decision. I mean, obviously, you don't need to make that decision now. Um, but uh, but having said that, their long-term projections as part of their planning, they probably have an idea of of where they want the kid to play next year. But I'd, I'd like to see him have a training camp. You? Uh, yeah, I, and I, I have him making the team this fall, but we shall see. Um, I think if you're asking the question as you're listening in today, well, okay, if uh, if Pinto's not going to be here, then why wouldn't you maybe protect Chris Tierney? Well, the reality is I think that you're not giving much away by bringing up somebody who was in Belva this year, whether it's a Logan Shaw, Michael Amadio can play center. Uh, who else is there? Clark Bishop can play center. I'm going by Logan cap friendly. Logan Brown. Logan Brown can play center. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> we shall see. And Let's get back to the list. Enough. He's protected. Um, we, we, we both protect. Well, again, we, we we're the exact same. But um, Austin Watson and Nick Paul, um, arguably fourth liners, uh, definitely bottom six guys. But in the case of both, uh, leadership, uh, honest, hardworking guys, character guys that, uh, that losing them are, they're difficult to replace more so than, I think that's got more to do with protecting them than anything else. A guy like the, the like, uh, Austin Watts or Nick Paul are, they're, they're hard to replace, not in the skill level. Uh, you can, you can replace bottom six forwards, no problem, but all the intangibles that these guys bring, especially both of them on the PK, um, you, you just, you're, you're not gonna be able to replace them as easily as you think. So protecting them to me is a no-brainer. Nick Paul, by the way, changed his jersey number this week from 13 to 21. Is this no amount of disrespect is enough uh, for the Sens toward Logan Brown? 21 was his number. They gave it to Derek Stepan when he arrived last year, and now they're giving it off to Nick Paul. And we both have Logan Brown protected. And I, I think it's just one of those things where it's, you know, you don't have a ton of guys right now that need to be protected. And he's still a guy that may still have a little something, something. I think if you leave him exposed, he's totally gone. Yeah. Uh, here's a question, though. Why, why did he switch to 21? And does that mean st- is step on officially gone? I believe so. Okay. I mean, he's uh, he's, he's not officially gone in the, until the first puck drops or, or if he signs somewhere. But yeah, I I'm pretty he sure. he a year left. I thought he had two years when he came. Maybe. I'm oh, no, just... no. He was in the final okay. year of his contract. Right. He's flat okay. out a free agent now. And so uh, then, that's the number that Nick Paul wore back in his. Uh, it must be junior because he wore 13 in Belleville. So it must be back to North Bay, I guess. Yeah, it is. I was. Is okay. he Brampton or is he North Bay Battalion? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you may be right. I'm not sure. He wore those ugly green uniforms. And um, Italian or something. North Bay. He was Well, he was both. All right. I just looked it up. He was both. He was Brampton for a year, and then when they moved to North Bay. And his freeing up of number 13 is probably good news for Igor Sokolov, who wore number 13 in Belleville this year. Oh, well, isn't that exciting? Is that his number in junior, too? I don't know. I don't know what he did in junior, but he was 13 in Belleville for sure. All right. Okay. We're, we're saving that one guy till the end. Uh, as far as the uh, Batherson yeah, and Kachuk are no-brainers. Exactly. At one time in in an earlier incantation of this, is that the right word? Incarnation of this? Sure. Uh, you had you were protecting Vitaly Abramov, and you almost convinced me to do the same thing, but I think we're both in agreement now. Um, if somebody wants to take him as a 
as a guy who won't be here for another two years since he's now signed in the KHL. Somebody wants to take him. Great. We lose somebody. He's not even on our roster. Yeah. And I think he's done with the Ottawa Senators. For sure. I think he, That's I think why he left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He doesn't see the openings. And uh, so if he comes, if he gets claimed by Seattle, then, hey, off he goes. He's probably got an out clause in his, uh, in his contract. But uh, right. uh, yeah, obviously I'm not going to protect any longer guys in the KHL who's done with the club. And so the other three, Shabbat, Zaitsev, and Mete on defense, I think those are pretty much no-brainers too. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, Zaitsev, I mean, a lot of talk about exposing a Zaitsev. And I, I love it when people say, oh, no, you should leave this guy out there and you can get rid of his money. Well, okay, but somebody would have to take him. And that somebody is Ron Francis. Like, okay, I can I can leave Zaitsev available and then I don't have to pay him $4.5 million. Okay, great, but... Seattle still has to take the guy. It's not just once you expose him, you don't have to pay him anymore. Like, yeah. If he doesn't get taken, he's still your player and you're still paying him. So um, for, for what he brings to this team, for where he plays, for the minutes he plays, for the role that they've given him, for the the obvious respect and love that the coach has for him, he's going to be here. He's going to stay here. Uh, they're going to protect him, period. Yeah. Well, I mean, Zaitsev at $4.5 million, I suppose if you left him unprotected, you could go shopping a little bit. And uh, as we move away from the expansion draft, if you had a little extra money in your pocket, might you take a run at the new free agent that is Ryan Suter, who was bought out this week by the Minnesota Wild? He is 36 years of age, I believe. (sighs) Yeah, why not? He's never going to come here. He, whatever you pay him will be overpaying him. But if you could get him, why not? I, I think he could bring something to this team and, and, and fit the role that you want, you want filled. So yes, in that sense, but, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I love Ryan Suter hanging up on GM Bill Guerin during his call about being bought out. Yeah. A goodbye now. Um, but you look at his stats. I mean, geez. I mean, he's he's just been a great offensive defenseman through his whole career with the exception of this past season. And honestly, this past season, for anybody who's in their mid-30s, I kind of cut him some slack. Yeah. The guy, it, you know, there was a long layoff between games. And, uh, and, I, and I look at some of the vets that the Sens brought in. I don't believe any of those Sens vets, I mean, I'm not thrilled about any of them, to be honest, but I don't think they were as bad as they showed here. I think they just need a proper training camp with a proper exhibition schedule. And that was just zero to 60 this year. And I don't think that's good for anybody in their thirties. It's not ideal for them anyway. And so, I mean, but look at, look at the stats though. In, in the previous seasons, he had 19 points this year in 56 games, not that great, but consider the years prior to that 48, 47, 51, 40, 51, like just like really good numbers offensively. And full seasons too. Yeah. And yeah, leads but- a team in ice time still. Wouldn't be a problem on your blue line. I just, I just can't see it happening. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, like, like half the names that that uh, that send Twitter likes to throw around of let's get this guy, let's get that guy. Well, they're not coming here. Like plain and simple. And and Ryan Suter would not sign here. Can't see it happening. No, and it's not. Again, you kind of you reap what you sow, right? It hasn't established itself as a club with the most sparkling of reputations. And if a free agent player has options and Ryan Suter does, um, Ottawa's not at the top of anybody's, any UFA's wish list. Let's be honest. And I would say, okay, but even if it was rosy and and wonderful and the owner was a great person, the market is not appealing. The, The record is not appealing. The state of the rebuild, where they are on the curve, is not appealing. So even if all the ownership stuff wasn't there, it's still not a place that anybody over the age of 30, 32, 33, let's say, is, is going to look to come to maybe in a year or two, but not now. Not, if I'm that age and, and I'm looking to go somewhere and, and, and get, have some success, this isn't the place I'm coming to. Yeah. You're looking for a place to win and you're probably doing the Jason Spezza thing, right? It just, I, yeah. I, I've made my money. I'm good to go. Don't worry there. I'll, I, I want to win though. And so that will probably win the day. You're quite right. Um, what, uh, as long as we're on this topic, throwing stuff out, what about Zach Hyman? It looked like, uh, I think Pierre Lebrun put it out there today that he is headed for free agency. And that's a nice physical player. He's fast. Uh, he's prickly. And he puts up 
decent points. Is is that because I think about DJ Smith's affinity and like of former Leafs, he's had a few, and I thought to myself, <laughs> I wonder if DJ Smith kind of busts open the office like the Kool Aid Man goes was right through the wall <laughs> and talks to the two Pierres and says, oh, I'd love to get this guy. Yeah, is there a, I, is there a fit? Uh, former Leafs, he's had a few. I'm I'm picturing a a, a my way uh, song parody for you if if you if the day ever comes. Yeah, um, I got to get back to some uh, Senator yeah, parody songs. Yeah. Um, I, I I love the player. I love what he brings. I'm sorry, I don't like the dollar value. It's going to cost you for that. You've got Connor Brown, who already does what Zach Hyman does. I, I don't think. Could you use him? Yes. Would he be good here? Yes. Would you love to have him? Yes. But the money that he's going to to get elsewhere, he it does not fit your team uh, at this point in the in the in the rebuild. It doesn't fit in my mind. And and it's the the Pierre uh, Pierre Maguire seven player profile. You only need one uh, specialty forward, and that's what Connor Brown is. You don't need a second one. Doesn't hurt though. I like the player. I like the player I a lot. Well, yeah. well, what do you think? Well, certainly, as with any trade chip, any free agent, if the price is right, of course yeah. I'd be interested. But and then what if I even if I got the the right price, then it's is the player interested in coming here? I don't see it happening, but I certainly like the player Ooh. a lot. And whoever gets Zach Hyman is getting one of those players that. And let's be honest, a guy like Corey Perry. Nobody thought anything of him, even though that he helped Dallas get to the Stanley Cup final last year. He, he And Montreal picks him up for a song, and it was like, oh, my God, what's Montreal want to do with that guy? At playoff time, some guys are just better suited to that style of play. I could see you, you said he might not want to, he doesn't want to come here or wouldn't want to come here. I could see him being convinced to come here. I could see Connor Brown, DJ Smith. I could see people talking to him and convincing him to come here. Um, I just don't know. Like, if you get rid of Chris Tierney, is but three point uh, what's he at three three point five that you're paying Tierney? I yes. don't think that's going to be enough to get you Hyman. You've got to go to at least four, if not four and a half or five, um, like Colin uh, White money, essentially. And I just I don't think that that's the right thing to do. Love the player, love what he brings. Don't like the price it's going to cost you to to bring it. Chris Weidman in the news. The former Ottawa Senator was named the KHL's Defenseman of the Year. I like Chris Weidman. Seems like a good guy. He was caught up in the Ubergate incident, though, and uh, he unveiled to The Athletic this week a little more information on how the Senators handled the Uber incident. I think most people would remember this happened, I think, in 2018. I think it was five members of the Ottawa Senators, Weidman, Thomas Shabbat, Matt Duchesne, Dylan DeMello, and maybe Colin White, I want to say. Can't remember yeah. the fifth. Anyway, when it was all said and done, uh, the Uber driver released the video from the cab. Most people know the story by now, so I feel like I'm going over covered ground, but just to reset, the Uber cab driver releases it to Twitter, uh, then calls the Ottawa citizen and says, hey, <laughs> check my Twitter account in this story, and then it blew up from there. And what they were doing in the video, they were ripping apart Marty Ramo, Guy Boucher's hand-picked assistant coach. Don't think he's working this year in the NHL. Guy Boucher, he seems to be kind of tied at the hip with him. Um, so Marty Ramo was being criticized by the players for being not a very good assistant coach, uh, or at least critical of him in his video sessions where he doesn't really teach them anything. And, you know, he's a, only guy in NHL history to have the worst power play and the, and then <laughs> next year they have the worst penalty kill. So they're, they're kind of criticizing this, this, this uh, assistant coach. So according to Chris Weidman, this is the new stuff. Pierre Dorian called the five players into his office and ripped them a new one saying, you know, Duchesne, you're supposed to be a leader and da, 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 da. And then got to Chris Weidman and basically said, I'm going to make an example out of you. You know, you're you're on the next bus out of here. And uh, Weidman was, in fact, traded away to the Edmonton Oilers 
within days of that news breaking. And what did you think of what you read in The Athletic this week? Well, I think the, the, the biggest quote here was the, I was told that someone's head was going to roll and it was going to be me. He doesn't say Pierre told him that. I mean, for all we know, the, the guys told him, uh-oh, you know, a head's going to roll here. It's probably going to be you. You're the lowest on the totem pole. Although you could argue Colin White was just as low down at that time, too. Although um, with, uh, he's a first rounder, so he's going to yeah, have all right. kinds you know, of yeah, 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 Exactly. I mean, and Shabbat was there, too. Like, DeMello was traded. Um, Formanton was there, and everybody's wondered why it took Formanton so long to get here. Does that have something to do with it? Um, I, I, my thought was it was handled if, in fact, this is how it was handled internally and, and basically the threat was made or the promise was issued, you're done here. That's wrong. I have no problem with the fact that, that he was moved. Uh, I think the fact that he couldn't play anywhere or make a team anywhere for four years and, and finally left or took off to Russia proves that. Uh, he just his, his career was not destroyed because of this incident, I guess is what I'm saying. If you're going to come out of this article thinking, oh my God, he was blackballed, that's not the case. He was a sixth or seventh defenseman at the time on a very poor hockey club and was unable to make it with two or three other teams thereafter and ended up playing in Russia. So get that thought out of your mind. But if, in fact, this is the way it was handled and he was told to his face, like, you're done here, you screwed up and you're going to be the scapegoat, that's wrong. That should have never been said to him. Yeah, and that's that's where I'd have some criticism. And you're right the uh, the athletic story is kind of vague. It's you know Dorian is talking to everybody, and the, the it's written this way. Then Dorian got to Weidman, and it was clear he would be the scapegoat. "Quote: I was told that someone's head was going to roll, and it was going to be me." Weidman says. Yeah. It's kind of unclear as to whether Dorian actually said heads are going to roll. It's going to be me. It could have been somebody else had said it earlier. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a little vague, I got to say. And the headline is just bad. The Uber incident did a secret video destroy an NHL career. I agree with you completely. That wasn't what destroyed his career. He he didn't exactly have an NHL career. Well, I mean, one could argue. I would, I wouldn't go that far. I mean, the guy was part of the 2017 run to the Eastern conference final. Um, you know, he played 15 games in that run. So he wasn't a terrible defenseman or anything like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I honestly think that when Evgeny Malkin fell on him, quote unquote, fell on him, <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I may be one of the few people that saw maybe a little intent in that. Here's a little guy. I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm pissed off. I mean, he's fall on top of this guy. Anyway, ends up blowing out both hamstrings. He wasn't the fastest defenseman to start with. And I think that kind of derailed his career way, way more than the Uber incident did. Yeah, I would agree. Injuries were not good to him. Um, and he was he still really hadn't established himself as the player that he was pre-injury. Like I said, he was a sixth or seventh defenseman on a very poor team and then couldn't make it in Edmonton. And then from Edmonton, he went somewhere for a day, I think, and and was told he was going to play, but then didn't. Right. And then ended up somewhere else and somewhere else and somewhere else and basically played the A and finally said, okay, fine. And, and shuffled off to Europe. Wasn't he in Florida for a bit? He was one game. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, even Florida moved him on to somewhere. And I don't know. It was Pittsburgh, I think. Uh, I His run was Ottawa, now. Edmonton, Florida. Yeah. And then he went to Pittsburgh too. Uh, yeah. He was in their minors. He never got to play for them. And then he went to Europe. Like he just, I'm sorry. It's just not. This did not blackball his career. We're both in agreement that it should have been handled differently. The conversation should have been different. If he was, in fact, told to his face, you know, heads are going to roll and it's going to be you, that was wrong. Um, You could have just traded him and been done with it and never said anything about it, and people would have inferred it later anyway. But, um, no, his career was not destroyed because of this. And and now he's had a really good season in the KHL, and, and who knows, maybe he comes back and has a, has a renaissance, but he's he's a smallish defenseman. Uh, was a very good skater and a puck mover in his day, and maybe maybe he he's found that again. He's still under thirty, so maybe he can find his way back this year. He's actually thirty one now, so time Ooh, is marching okay. on. Um, but I I, I got to say that I didn't really think just sort of resetting an old story. I didn't yeah. really think there was any heads that needed to roll. I honestly thought 
If I'm, if I'm, if I'm running the Ottawa Senators at that point, I, I, I'd ask for an apology, and they got that. Everybody in the Uber cab apologized and said we need to be better than that. That would have been enough for me because it was, to me, such a grotesque violation of their privacy Yeah. that because show me any human being who doesn't want with their friends thinking they're in private, want to vent about so-and-so the boss, their boss, their spouse, whatever it is, everybody, you know, like how many times have guys gotten together and said something about their girlfriend or, or their wives or something like that. They're, you know, just venting with the boy. And then maybe if somebody's like recording that in the dressing room and then gives it to somebody's girlfriend, he's like, wow, that's really offside, dude. Uh, everybody has done that kind of thing. And so I, 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 and it wasn't like they were on, on video being racist or, <laughs> or doing something criminal. Like they were just criticizing their coach. They were, there was, and what, there was some elements of what he was teaching that was, bu- that was bugging them. So they talked about it. It was total BS that there was any big deal made of this thing. Yeah. Like a simple press conference, uh, line the seven of them up with, uh, with Pierre or even with Marty Raymond at the time and just say, look, you know, a bunch of guys were in a cab. They, uh, a bunch of employees were off work and let off some steam and said some things. Uh, they probably don't necessarily regret what they said. They probably regret more the fact that they were caught, but they didn't do anything that anybody else wouldn't do or doesn't do, or doesn't happen every single day. Go, go hang out at your neighborhood bar and listen to three guys from the plant complaining about the foreman. You know, it's, it's, it's a normal thing that happens every day in every line of work. So was there really repercussions necessary? I don't know. Uh, let's face it. The, the long line of embarrassments to the organization before it probably didn't help as far as, uh Oh, we better do something about this. Right. Yeah. It was a nuclear deterrent in a vacuum, if that was the only thing that happened to a club that everything was going swimmingly, maybe you just do what I said and you, you know, bring them in, yeah. read them the riot act. They apologize. That's it. Um, so I, I, I never thought heads needed to roll. I don't think there was any pressure for that, but maybe there was based on all the other things that were occurring. Maybe Eugene Melnick said, ah, somebody's got to pay or whatever. So, yeah. But it is interesting that in a way they all eventually did. Except yeah. for Shabbat and White. <laughs> Everybody has pretty much, Duchesne is gone. DeMello was gone. Like, is that part of the reason that DeMello's gone? Uh, who knows? Could be. Does that play yeah. into that? Yeah. Well, and I think about Matt Duchesne and you look at his situation. Um, it's Pierre Lebrun, I think, who said it, that there's a growing sense the Predators might leave Matt Duchesne unprotected yeah. in the expansion draft. He has five more years left on his deal at $8 million per season. And so that ends up, if that's the reason... You know, if Uber had something to do with them not re-signing him, I don't think it did. But uh, if it, if it did, then that was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, well, I, I I think he's now the he's about to become the first captain in the number one centerman of the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> yeah, there's Matt Duchesne's future, probably. All right, well, let's close it out today with our Dunrobin Distilleries player profile. Today it's on prospect Jake Sanderson. Jake Sanderson is expected to be one of the core pieces for the Ottawa Senator rebuild. He just turned 19 last week, and he'll be back next season with the University of North Dakota, the number one ranked college team in America last year. Sanderson was drafted fifth overall by Ottawa last season. He was the winner of the award for most outstanding U.S.-born player in junior hockey. And uh, this past year, or earlier this year, I should say, he won a World Junior Gold with Team USA. Sanderson is the son of former NHL forward Jeff Sanderson and spent the first few years of his life in Dublin, Ohio, when his dad was a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jake Sanderson, our player profile, brought to you by Dunrobin Distilleries. Just like craft beer years ago, the market for craft spirits is booming right now, and Dunrobin Distilleries is at the forefront in Ottawa, now available at the LCBO. They currently offer artisanal gin and vodka, rye whiskey, 12 different flavors of bitters, and their recently launched Earl Grey Gin, all made with the finest quality ingredients right here in Ottawa. DunrobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you? Uh, to close it out today, uh, since we last spoke, um, as you expected, the Montreal Canadiens did not have the miracle comeback. The Tampa Bay Lightning wins the Stanley Cup, and I think we've all kind of 
in our way, fallen in love with Nikita Kucherov over the last week. <laughs> His celebrations have been fantastic. His post-game press conference where he is basically calling out Hab fans. Oh, you won the Stanley Cup by winning one game. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And then uh, basically they say that the Habs Stanley Cup was in the round before. Um, didn't exactly rub Hab fans the right way, but I think we all, kind of, the rest of us, I think, got a kick out of the whole thing and, and watching him in his celebrations and I loved the whole it. parade is great. And I thought, it was, did you see the dent in the cup? Well, that was the worst damage I've seen the Stanley Cup oh, before. Yeah. Because yeah. if you look down at the bowl on the top, the cup, uh, it's usually in a perfect circle. Uh, it looked triangular almost, like somebody yeah, backed over their backed over it with tire. their jeep or something. Yeah, the one, the one part looks like the flat tire on that side. Exactly. Not yeah, not, not good. good at all. But but no, I, I enjoyed the press conference. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, of course, I'm not a Hab fan, so so I don't have any problem with what he had to say to the Hab fans. That was great. Yeah, more of it. We need more of it. Yeah, and it's certainly some great news. It sounds. I mean, I'm only hearing reports of it that Toronto FC and uh, Montreal and the MLS. Might be allowed to return to play games with a bunch of fans. I heard as high a number as high as fifteen thousand by next week, uh, but I'm also seeing some conflicting reports. But it's another sign that uh, we're getting back to normal as sports fans, not just watching the games on TV, but an opportunity to get out and uh, see the games. And that would include the Red Blacks, who'll have their home opener on August 28th. And not long after that, we'll be talking about. The Ottawa Senators back in action and uh, certainly sends fans hungry to be at a Sens game to watch a great young emerging team. So uh, lots coming up over the next little while, though. It's a very busy July before things cool off a little bit for the summer. And uh, yeah, so we'll be all over it here in the coming episodes. For now, though, we'll say goodbye for now. And uh, coach, enjoy your week. We shall talk to you next time. You too. Thanks, Steve. And as we head out the door, again, thank you for listening. Please share the show with your friends and followers. Everything you need to know about our podcast is at our website, SendsNationHockey.com.